0: This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're joined by Zach Warner, Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Assessment at the State Education Department, who is with us to discuss the new state assessments administered in the spring to kids' grades 3 through 8, including how newly impacted learning standards impacted the evaluation of these tests. Welcome to the show, Assistant Commissioner.
1: Thank you, Dave. Happy to be here.
0: So, for listeners without kids in the school system, or those of us who may be a few years removed uh, from schooling, uh, when we talk about the statewide assessments for grades three through eight, what are these tests that we're actually talking about, and how are the test results used, at least uh, in recent years?
1: Great. So, a lot of folks have heard of ESSA, or ESSA, the Every Student Succeeds Act, which is the most recent authorization of the Elementary and Secondary Education Act passed, you know, uh, under the Johnson era back in 1964, and this is just the latest version. And what that says is that students are to be tested once in grades three through eight and once in high school for English language arts or reading language arts as well as mathematics, and it also says that students are to be tested once at each of the the different levels of schooling, elementary, middle and high school in science. And so the specific tests we're talking about here today are the grades three through eight versions of the English language arts tests and the math tests. So these are taken by students in, in each of those grades and what's unique to this year and why why we're having this conversation really is around that they are measuring a new set of learning standards that have been kind of several years coming, uh, rolled out before the pandemic, but we really kind of came to a pause there. And last year was the first year that those students uh, were both instructed on those learning standards in their classrooms and also were assessed on them in the spring
0: so were the tests that were administered in the spring of 2023 new or is the new element just how they're being evaluated
1: so it's actually both so um we have been testing in those grade levels since the the precursor to essa was nclb no child left behind under the bush era and that had the similar testing requirements so we have been testing those grade levels but what changed is one the actual learning standards that we are asking students to achieve at and you know what we want them to know and be able to do and then also because it was new learning standards the tests themselves changed format a little bit and that was a a great opportunity where we work very closely with teachers on all the work we do in the office of assessment and we were kind of able to use this as an opportunity and say okay, over the past few years, what were teachers noticing that they thought would be good changes to the test? And I'll I'll give you an example of something that did change. We used to have on a two-day test that students would take, the the two sessions and that, day one would be all reading and it would be mostly multiple choice questions uh, associated with readings and passages. Now on day two, the students would read more passages, but that's where they do their writing. Teachers pointed out to us that having students do all the writing on day two could be a little tough on some and there, there could be a burden on that. So we worked with them on a new design that actually split it across. It's still two sessions, but you do some reading and writing in session one and some reading and writing in session two. And the feedback we've gotten from teachers that after making that change has been really positive. So partnering with them, you know, we think is, is always the best for uh, letting kids show us what they know and are able to do.
0: Well, in responding to concerns like that about certain elements of a test being tough, so to speak, how do you balance the need to have a rigorous test versus a test that is, say, unfair? Where do you find that line? And And is it a tough balance to strike?
1: So there's a couple of different places there. And the number one I have to highlight is that partnership with New York State educators. Um, we talk about having an educator-driven program, and it's a lot more than just talk. It is very much what we do. Um, we, we've done some kind of back of the envelope calculations, and we've, we've figured out, you know, by the time a student is seeing the test and sitting down and taking it, there's a good chance that well, over 100 teachers from New York State, you know, New York State active, working, certified teachers have had a hand in getting that test to them. Um, sometimes it's much more. We have opportunities to partner, like I said, on things like design decisions, but the questions that a student sits down and takes were written by a New York State teacher. They were reviewed a minimum of six to seven times by a teacher. They've also been tried out. So we've had the opportunity to say, do students understand this and that? So that partnership is number one. There's also a a great deal of industry standards and best practices. All of the organizations such as the uh, APA, American Psychological Association, the American uh, Educational Research Association, the National Council on Measurement and Education, these professional organizations issue best practices and standards, and we work to... Uh, make use of all of them in trying to figure out what is that line you've just described. So we always want to make sure that uh, fairness is number one, quality is as high as it possibly can be, because we want the results of these tests to provide something meaningful for the students, for the parents, for the teachers, and ultimately, as ESSA requires us to, reporting out at that state level.
0: For listeners just joining us, you're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're talking about the state assessments administered to kids grades three through eight in the spring. And our guest is Zach Warner, Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Assessment at the State Education Department. In terms of getting some sort of meaningful response from these tests, you don't just simply give everyone the percentage of multiple-choice questions they got right or wrong, you're also looking for deeper meaning from these tests. So can you explain how you are going about that process uh, this year in response to the updated standards that you mentioned?
1: Absolutely. And and I love the way you teed that up because that is kind of a misconception because folks remember their time in school where there were 10 questions on a test and and you got eight of them. So you got an 80, and that, that's, a, that's a very common you know, way we go about this in sc- school quizzes and, and think, homework sheets and that too. When you get into the realm of large-scale testing, things are quite different. Um, there's, there's these deep, sophisticated statistical models, and I'll, I'll give you a very quick example of how we go about uh, ascribing meaning to our tests. So it's one thing to say, okay, there are 10 questions and you got eight of them right but that makes an assumption that's probably unfounded and that assumption is all of those questions are equally difficult and and we just know that's not true some questions are easy some questions are harder and more modern scoring models actually take that into account and say well wait a minute if you're getting harder questions right you must be showing a deeper level of knowledge and skill and as a result your score should be higher because we wanna reflect that in in your final score. So that's what we call scale scores, which people sometimes get confused by and that, but the the purpose of a scaled score is simply to make sure that that level of difficulty is reflected in that final result rather than just uh, a percent correct. And so the way that translates to your question about meaning is we put them into levels of performance. And a lot of people have heard about, oh, the proficiency rates, what's the level of proficient? We've, we use a, a little bit of a different moniker only because it, uh, I think, has a lot more meaning. And instead of using the word proficient, what we talk about is meets the expectations of the learning standards. So a student who is scoring at that level of performance, performance level three on these tests, three, there are four levels. And we say, if somebody's scoring at performance level three, they're meeting the expectations of the learning standard. If they're in level four, a little higher, they're exceeding the expectations. So this is a student who's really showing some great work. If they're in level two below it, we'd say they're partially meeting. So there's still some additional support they could use and we wanna make sure we're we're helping them get up there. And so where those levels come from circles back again to teachers. So what we would do is after the tests were given, which was this past spring, we got together a group of just under a hundred teachers and brought them together and said, hey let's look at the learning standards this is what students were supposed to be learning in the classroom and receiving their instruction in let's also look at the questions we asked them on the test what's the relationship between those where are we seeing the knowledge and skills of those learning standards reflected in our questions and we have deep conversations this this takes about was about a four-day process working long hours and we said what are you seeing in there that really talks about what students know and are able to do and and drives the difficulty of the questions. And ultimately, as a result of that process, we come out with what we call cut scores, which is basically what is the differentiation between those performance levels? What is a skill that a student who is meeting the expectations, oh, that student can definitely perform this skill and they would get this question right. And then we do that at the different levels and say, let's think about a student who's not quite there yet, What can they do? And that's the important thing. We're always forward facing. It's about what students can do, not necessarily about what they're not quite ready to do yet, because we want to build on their knowledge and skills and get out to that. And so the result of that is these cut scores, which is really how we divide across the levels. And the last thing I'll say about that is just that it allows us to work backwards when we talk to mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, guardian and that and say, well, okay, I got a student's score well, what does that mean? And we say, okay, well, they have a scaled score. That puts them at a performance level. So that performance level says, your student is meeting the expectations of the learning standards. That's great news. That means they're on grade level, they're doing things well. And we can go back to the learning standards and also to a lot of other supporting documents that we provide to schools and parents and public that really teases that out and talks exactly about, hey, this is the kind of thing that your student knows how to do, the kind of task they've carried out. And we translate that all the way to knowledge and skills. So it's certainly not true that the only thing you get back is a score. What you actually get back is the opportunity to really see, hey, this is what my student can do. And that's obviously of incredible value for teachers and schools, and also for parents who want to dig in.
0: And after a quick break, we'll have more with Zach Warner, Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Assessment at the State Education Department. We'll talk about the creation of new learning standards for judging assessments administered in the spring and find out the timeline for the wide distribution of the latest test result information. For listeners just joining us, we're continuing our conversation about the state assessments administered for kids grades 3 through 8 in the spring. And our guest is Zach Warner, Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Assessment at the State Education Department. We brought up the concept of meeting expectations, and I know that some people have taken a bit of a cynical or skeptical approach to how they think about the state's embracing of that uh, idea. So how would you reassure people that when we talk about expectations for kids, that they are meaningful expectations and that it's not simply a lowering of expectations in order to have kids meeting these expectations? (laughs)
1: Sure, great question. So a couple of ways I'd point to that is, one, I'd encourage them to look at the learning standards. They're posted right on the New York State Education Department's website. And I think anyone who takes the time to dig in and say, this is what we expect of a student who's in sixth grade in terms of math, I, I think those those folks would be fairly impressed with what we are expecting of students. And then in terms of how does that translate to the tests, the answer is we are working with the educators who are instructing those students, the same folks that are taking and teaching these standards and instilling this knowledge in our our students. These are the ones that are helping to figure out what does it look like when they meet those. Now you brought up another great point, Dave, which is this idea of the standards in comparison to past years. And we wanna caution people, these are different learning standards. You'll note I just said different. I didn't say that they are easier, harder, and that. There have been some changes all recommended by our educators in terms of what the skills students need to succeed are, and that's what these next generation learning standards reflect. So the scores on these brand new tests from 2023 are talking about how students are achieving those next generation learning standards, the new standards. If you go back several years and you say, well, how many students were meeting these levels of proficiency at that point? you can still absolutely look at those results, but you also have to look at the learning standards they reflect. So it's really to to oversimplify, I wouldn't look at your score on a chemistry test and try to make interpretations about how you're doing in social studies. And that's a bit flippant, but what I mean by that is when you have different learning standards, you can only talk about the results in in terms of those. So if folks are worried about uh, the level of rigor in these standards, I encourage them to look at them, but also there is no direct comparison to last year because we are moving forward with these new learning standards. Next year, you'll be able to take the percentages of students and that and compare them to this year. But in 2023, we're setting that new baseline for student proficiency.
0: Well, circling back, though, to the construction of the standards themselves, you mentioned the role that educators play in setting those standards. And I know that there is sometimes this argument made of it's not in the interest of the teachers, for example, to have kids not demonstrate proficiency. So there would be the expectation to lower the expectation for kids. So how do you factor in other more objective measurements such as maybe the demand for remediation when we kids get to college because we're already hearing say from SUNY that for years kids who are entering their system from New York's public schools require a amount of remediation or maybe employers who say that uh, they're not getting a workforce right from high school that is capable of doing certain jobs so were those parts of the economy and education system included when considering standards, or was it primarily in the domain of teachers to set these standards? Great question.
1: So one thing is I do want to pick up on on your point there, and and we have the opportunity to work with literally thousands of our New York State teachers. And while I, I know that that is sometimes a sentiment that is expressed. I can say in in 15 years of working with this Office of State Assessment, that does not reflect my experience of working one-on-one directly with New York State educators. The folks that we have the opportunity to work with are dedicated professionals who want what's best for students, and we really hear just these deep conversations about what students need to succeed and, and to perform at those next levels and that. So just on my side, it's not a concern. But at the same time, to your point, how do we mitigate some of these things and make sure that they're there? We have a number of different external measures and at the the risk of not, not getting too boring into some of the weeds, there are a lot of measures of what we call cognitive complexity that are required as backings for this test. So one example I'll give you is we do have external studies come in and look at the tests, the questions, how they reflect those learning standards. Is that actually coming out in terms of the student knowledge and skill? If we say this question requires a student to do X, Y, Z, we have done studies where we sit down with students and say, how would you solve this question? And they walk us through it. And if we say, oh no, that's not the skill we thought that they would be using. We revisit the development. So there is that external validation, if you will, through a number of different research arms, that are kind of ensuring that students really are demonstrating these skills that we we think are important and set us up for success.
0: So as we speak on the morning of September 28th, where are you in the process of evaluating the spring tests and distributing the information that you've collected?
1: I really appreciate the way you put that because I think that's a great way of doing it. Folks have this idea that results is is one thing. And I would love to dispel that a bit and talk about the results of a test come in different ways for different purposes. So in terms of getting information back to teachers, that actually happened during the last school year. So while school was still in session after taking the test, teachers received what we call instructional reports, which is where they get a sense of the students in their class which allows them to really kind of inform. And and I'll remind everyone that we release the vast, vast majority of the questions at the same time. So that's not information in a vacuum. A teacher can go in and say, wow, this standard measured grade four math standard MD one. And I know what that standard says. And also look, I can go right to the state's website and I'm looking at the question that kids took. So that happened back during last school year in June. Now we wanna make sure that parents are informed about how students are doing and learning in the the learning standards. And that actually took place last week, we were able to get them that information. So that's being sent home by schools about the performance level students are in, a scale score. And it also breaks down a little bit by some of the content and says, here's where the students showed strengths and here's where maybe they needed some additional support. The reason that went home in September, we normally try to get that out A little quicker is because we had to have that event that i discussed where the teachers came in and said well how do we know what's a level four what's a level three level two next year we anticipate scores will be coming home to mom and dad a little bit sooner because we will have those cut scores already established then the final thing that comes with results is that statewide reporting and that'll be coming later this fall And what's really important about that is it comes as part of the state report card, because we don't want to issue things in in a vacuum. We want to make sure there's appropriate context and people can really look at the information with other things that come part of it. And some of the examples of that would be graduation rates for the district enrollment data who actually are the students in your school district that you're seeing test results for and there's a lot of other school climate variables and things like that that come in the school state report cards. so that aggregated data. It will be out later this fall and allow everybody to see things in context, and we really think that that is important because we talk all the time about the use of multiple measures for any decision. We want a teacher using multiple measures to see how a kid is doing. We want parents to receive multiple perspectives, homework grades, quiz grades, state assessment grades, interim assessments from the school, and that. And we believe the same thing when we're putting out our data to talk about how we're doing as a state.
0: Well, do you want to give us a tease of uh, our statewide proficiency in any of these subjects?
1: I am actually not able to do that because we are still gathering and crunching that data and we are going through a process right now that's called um summer cleanup and i recognize it's not summer anymore but we want to make sure that the data are reflective of everything and the reality is when you have over 700 districts and a very very large number of independent schools and charter schools and private schools and that out there it takes time to make sure One, that they have sent the data in, but also we give them the opportunity to make sure it's correct. As I said, we're going to do this reporting, we want to make sure there's fidelity in what is reported. So we give schools the the opportunity to go into the state warehouse data warehouse system and say, hey, is everything in here correct before we try and report it. And we're about to close that system. And so the work will be underway shortly to kind of aggregate those up to the state levels. So. I I don't have any teasers for you, I'm afraid, but stay tuned for this fall, and I think uh, the important thing is we'll be able to talk about things in context, we'll be able to set a new baseline on these new standards, and I think it'll it'll be a great opportunity for discussion about where we go from here and and how we can best support students, regardless of where they are. Because if a student needs a lot of support, we want to make sure they get it. If a student is doing great, we want to make sure they continue to do great, and that the school, the district, and the state are providing the resources necessary to keep them on track.
0: Well, we've been speaking with Zach Warner. He's the Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Assessment at the State Education Department. Zach, thank you so much for making the time and look forward to speaking with you when these results go out wide to the public. Thanks very much. Support for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's
1: New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local, state, and federal government entities at WGPFoundation.org.